0: You people in churches, um, don't let your pastor get away without uh, speaking on this issue. Like, Be persistent and, um, and speak up. Be that voice for the voiceless, because uh, that's what has to happen.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our segment, Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, an initiative of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again for those of you who are new to this program and to this series our goal with humans of the pro-life movement is to normalize pro-life work normalize the fight against abortion we want to highlight that anyone can get involved in this great injustice that permeates our nation uh, here in canada permeates uh, the nation of the united states um, which is where our guest today is from and, and really permeates nations and cultures around the world. This is the, the greatest injustice of our time and, and one of the greatest throughout history. And so we want to show and highlight that anyone can get involved in standing up for the vulnerable and the marginalized, those who are really in the womb, which is the most dangerous place in our culture today. And so to talk about some of the work that uh, is being done, I've invited... Uh, someone who's new to me. I, I I almost said he's a friend of mine, but uh, hopefully we'll be a friend at the end of this, but um, I haven't met him before. He's pastor David Henderson from, you know, I really should have done my homework beforehand somewhere in the United States. I'm sure he will share where, uh, but pastor David, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on humans of the pro life movement. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the the invite. Uh, yeah, we're in, we're right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, okay. Here. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe to answer a few more questions of mine, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Who is Pastor David? Yeah. What's, uh, what are some of the things you enjoy and so on?
0: Yeah, well, um, I'm uh, David Henderson. I've been married for 29 years, so we're rolling uh, through our 30th year right now and excited about that. Uh, my wife and I, Mindy, have uh, eight kids, and um, that's kind of kept us really busy. My youngest just turned 16 so my car insurance rates are outrageous right now um, with uh, several drivers um, uh, you know family is is really the, the core of this thing for me and so uh, you know I have a my oldest daughter's 25 um, she's never been married um, she fosters uh, four kids uh, right now. And, um, so those are my grandkids and, and that's kind of a, a little, a little window of our family. Uh, just a, a little more detail about that is, um, you know, we've, we have four biological kids and uh, four, uh, through adoption. And so that's obviously a, a gigantic uh, heartbeat for us. Um, but just, you know, beyond that, um, I'm, I love, I'm a Tennessee Vol fan. Uh, I don't know how that plays up in Canada, but everybody down here loves Rocky Top. And um, uh, we uh, we enjoy some, some a lot of sports. Uh, I'm a beekeeper, uh, and I'm one year into that little journey. And uh, that's uh, an amazing journey for me. And, um, you know, we just love just being around people and, and getting together. At, uh, board games are always out at my house. Uh, Settlers of Catan right now is the,
1: the – the game of choices as, as well as several others but that's a little snapshot of who we are perfect yeah thank you so much and i love the fact that you've adopted there's foster children in your family and i think that highlights a greater worldview right right more than just fighting abortion there's something bigger at play here uh, in valuing life and seeking to really give opportunity to to those around us who perhaps don't have it um, and and to really be a blessing to to others but talking about abortion, I'm just curious. Um, so you're passionate about life you've adopted. There's the, your, your daughter you mentioned has a number of foster children. What was it though, that got you involved in the fight against abortion?
0: You know, when you think about the, the, the early parts of it is really my dad. Um, uh, I remember being in high school and my dad being involved, uh, in, uh, pro-life causes. Uh, my dad was, uh, you know, CEO, business guy. He was a former Navy, um, weapons officer on a nuclear submarine. Um, and he wrote, he wrote me and my siblings a letter one time, uh, just to, to try to explain his involvement in, um, pro-life work. And he just said, you know, I wasn't, I didn't serve in the military during World War II, but I always told myself, like, if I had, if I was serving, I would, hope that I would have you know done everything I could do to to stop that kind of evil and and then his next line just said to me and and my siblings but if I'm doing nothing about um, the cause of the unborn I don't think I can say that and so um, you know that's just a, a simple letter that he wrote to us uh, just to kind of help us understand uh, where he was involved and what he was doing. Um, and so that's really where it starts for me. And so it was being, being a high school, um, high school kid in a family that, uh, you know, regularly went to church and, and uh, just a great church and all that setting. But, uh, but dad's involvement uh, specifically with some, you know, at the time, operation rescue and, and some things that were going on there, um, led him to, uh, he was arrested at one point and that's really what led him to write the letter. And so that might not mean a whole lot to, to some people, but I, I mean, I can't even remember seeing my dad break a speed limit. Uh, like he is, you know, the, the the, uh, epitome of a rule follower. And that's really what led him to write this letter is to help us understand, like, why would he take, you know, put this kind of risk or take these kind of steps uh, in that setting to do that? And so that's where it really um, got real clear to me. I, I mean, I think I've always been passionate about, um, you know, fatherlessness is really um, the, my theme or my topic that drives me here biblically. Um, and so, but that's kind of where, when you look back, that's where it starts.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I have a tremendous amount of respect for your dad's generation. Those people who you know went to the abortion clinics, locked themselves in front of it, did everything they could to to ensure that no one could make it through those front doors. And I, I think I agree with you that it doesn't mean a lot to people because people don't really know the history of the fight of abortion in America. Maybe it's something we should do in the program—a little bit of a series on that. But I, I really want to highlight one of the points you mentioned as well—that if we weren't doing like. Like we we love to say that if I lived in that time period in history yeah. in the past, I would have been a stalwart and a beacon of truth and justice and beauty and goodness and everything else um, that embodies you know a real man of integrity and character. But the the real reality is, as it were, if we're not doing something about the great injustices of our time, we would be extremely foolish to say that we would have been in any way involved in fighting injustices in the past. And so that's a, that's a real lesson. Um, I, I really love that. I think it goes deeper than as well there, because it's not just fighting injustice
0: it's fighting this injustice because, you know, you think, um, okay, you're in Germany, uh, you know, in the late 1930s, or early forties, and you're fighting poverty. Like okay. I, I, I'm not saying it's not important, but it, you know, you're, you're, Rearranging deck chairs on a Titanic—that's going like—and I think that's really important for um, you know I'm I'm 51, and so you know I, I, the kids age you know the 20s those in their 20s and 30s these justice warriors out there that um, attach themselves to—I'm uh, not saying they're not important issues—but if you want to attach yourself to one of those issues and you're not attaching yourself to this one, you're like you just you just unaware uh, at the very minimum uh, of what is actually happening and the death toll that this uh, this issue is
1: bringing to lives after lives. So, Well, let, let's talk about that for a second. So there seems to be this idea that maybe permeates, but certainly exists within the evangelical community that Pastors, you know, should focus on shepherding their flock and, and taking care of their local congregation rather than getting involved in political engagement and abortion and some of these other social issues. But if they get involved in social issues, they ought to be the same ones that the culture at large is involved in and speaking about the, the things, the things that everyone else already agrees right. with. Um so could you speak to I mean you did it briefly already but maybe speak a little bit more to this particular injustice and why it's important for pastors specifically for church leaders specifically for those who who are leading the flock for for elders whoever it might be why is it important for for the leaders to get involved in this sort of work
0: I mean this is this is a uh, deep passion but it it wells up honestly from the scriptures I mean Um, people have, uh, referred to me, you know, you have wartime generals and peacetime generals, and I've been referred to as a wartime pastor, um, and not so much a peacetime pastor. Um, but I think, uh, several things drive me there. Uh, first of all, I don't, I don't shy away from conflict. I, I, when I, when I, when somebody says, Hey, you kind of feel like a wartime pastor, I'm like, well, you know, here's the reality that we live in is we live in this spiritual battle That is a war uh, uh, between good and evil, and if you're not if you're not understanding, if you're not living every day from that foundation, the enemy's probably taking ground uh, in your life. If that's not an awareness uh, of you, and when I look in the scriptures, the thing that gets me is uh, is two. Like you know, number one, um, father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God. You know, Psalm sixty eight. It it's genuinely like the very few times in the scriptures where there's a description given and it says, this is God. This, this is who he is. And so fatherlessness can look that can, that can go a lot of, lot of ways. And we go a lot of ways with that. But, but, but then you get to the new Testament and you talk about like, Hey, let's be imitators of God. Let's do the work of, let's do what God would do. And you put those two verses together and, when you put the lens of fatherlessness on this world and this society like the the, the wars are endless and the, and it's war because in the battle in the spiritual battle between good and evil when it comes to earth children are always in the crosshairs they're always in the crosshairs it's true in uh, pharaoh's egypt with moses and of course this wasn't the unborn but it was the next step of vulnerability. And we're going to execute and drown every Hebrew child. Um, It's true in uh, first century uh, Bethlehem and Jerusalem. It's the battle between good and evil and children die. And it's the same battle in, you know, Old Testament in, in the Moloch and, and kids sacrifice to, to the idols. Like we, it's, it's genuinely what we're doing today. We're sacrificing kids to the idols of uh, convenience, to the idols of, um, quote, progress or however we can, you know, become more enlightened. We're sacrificing uh, kids to the idols of uh, overpopulation and all that goes along, you know, with that lie. And and it's just a spiritual battle. And so when 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 I leave when I read the scriptures and I look at this issue, like I just I get really frustrated with pastors who aren't um, aren't on the topic of abortion. When you look at those child and you put fatherless tab on those children, um, I think our responsibility is so painfully clear that I just. I, my burden is actually for the pastors that aren't speaking on the day that they, um, you know, they answer for uh, what they're doing and what they're not doing. So
1: I, it's, it's pretty passionate for me. So, Yeah, amen. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for outlining um, some of the examples throughout scripture, scripture and some of the instructions that we have. And when I think about it as well, I mean, there seems to be no one more fatherless in our culture than those whose fathers are driving their mothers and them to an abortion clinic. To be torn apart piece yeah. by piece, yeah. and uh, and so if we if we actually want to live as God calls us to live and to represent Him here, perhaps that's the first place we need to go um, is is the abortion clinics. So, could you talk about that as well? You spend time in front of the abortion clinics. You spend time fighting for the lives of these preborn children, al- along with um, really fighting for the the mothers and fathers not to do this great sin and this great. Uh, injustice so could you speak perhaps to some of the stories that you have from outside the uh, outside of the clinics some of the really works of God uh, and the testimonies you know that you have from from what he's done outside of the clinics while you and perhaps some of your parishioners were out there witnessing
0: yeah I you know I'm I'm not a pro at outside the abortion clinic we I, I've been several times but I, I don't want to um, misrepresent uh, you know Andre Gonzalez from uh, Love Life invited me to come down. um, It's an organization that mobilizes the church uh, to to step into this fight, and uh, they're in our city here uh, in Charlotte. And he invited me to come down on Wednesday, um, and I took him up on his offer. And they kind of walked me through what they do in a prayer walk. And uh, honestly, like at the end of that day, I just had to repent. Like I'm passionate about this um, this cause. But I never, um, I, you know, I, I didn't find routes of active involvement uh, present at the clinic. And so when I, when I, when I walk through uh, an hour journey of prayer uh, and what they lead the church through on Saturday, I, I, I just I literally just said, hey, I, I am sorry. I, like, I need to repent of my lack of um, involvement my lack of support. Um, and that was maybe three and a half years ago uh, to those guys, because this is somebody like I'm ramped up on this as a pastor. Now, this is one, one reason that pastors don't get involved. And maybe I should share this earlier, but like in my view, there's, there's the gospel has to main, you know, you have to maintain the preeminence of the gospel in the church setting. And, there are two, in my view, two really great topics that tend to hijack the gospel. Now, listen, this is gospel work, but what I mean by that is, back in the '90s, with the, the Promise Keeper movement and all that stuff, like this this uh, this men's racial racial reconciliation and, and, and all that, it, it 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 like blew through the church and it needed to, okay, but it it became the mission. The mission in a lot of churches, like, ceased to be getting the gospel to the world, um, and it became we don't really care about that so much anymore. As long as we have this racial reconciliation, the, the pro-life movement is is, is is the same as that. There are churches that are passionately pro-life and passionate about the whole movement, and it it becomes greater in the church than the gospel. Um, we moved here to Charlotte 21 years ago to start a church in our living room. And so that's the church we pastor now. And um, that's been one of the things that I feel like God has said, hey, like you gotta, you gotta make sure that we're reaching lost people and that we're not turning people off to the message of the gospel um, with other uh, really good, but uh, secondary uh, topics. Okay, so that presents me a real, a real challenge in this, like, how do I get involved? How do I lead a church to get involved without, um, you know, pushing a lost world away from opportunities to hear the gospel at our church. And so I was navigating that in the context of really meeting these guys. And then when I saw what they do, you know, at, um, at the clinics, and it's just a, a movement of prayer and worship. I'm like, first of all, I'm sorry I hadn't been here. Uh, secondly, like from this point forward, you, you just you tell me what you need, and we're we're at your service, really. And um, and that's really been a relationship that I've had with um, you know the guys that love life. But then you mobilize your church to move down there. And when we mobilize the church, um, we, mo- we, we mobilize them to, to fast and pray. We talk about the issue on Sunday, uh, full service. And then Wednesday, we fast. And then um, Saturday, we show up. And when we show up at the clinic, uh, you know, we spend maybe 30 minutes in worship and prayer on the specific topics. Um, and then we do a little prayer walk uh, that that ends up walking in front of the uh, the clinic and we usually pause there and, and and pray and worship for another you know 10 minutes or so but w- when you're there it is the way i describe it to our church it's it's the closest that you're going to get to the gates of hell on earth like like people are ushering people into the slaughter right in front of you um, the vileness that is coming against you, like sometimes this far from your face, it wakes you up. I I tell my people this: Listen, evil, evil, evil exists because of its ability to deceive. Like Satan's strategy is deception, and so evil rarely shows itself, manifests itself so clearly, because otherwise. It'll be seen for for what it is, and when when the people in our church go down to the clinic and they see they they feel that vileness coming at them, it shocks them, and they're like, "Wow! Like, why would be why would somebody be so passionate about um, defending somebody like and usher them in to execute and and dismember like and it's just the reality of that spiritual battle that shows up and you see it." And I think for a lot of people in our church, that just is like, wow, like I had no idea, no idea uh, that this is what is happening. And so that happens, you know, 40 weeks a year in our city. Uh, Our church, you know, jumps in uh, really strong once or twice a year um, to adopt a week and all that. And we support a lot, a lot of other stuff that's going on. But one quick story about how that's impacted people in my church is, I mean, there's a, just a a mountain of a man. He's a good old boy. And, um, he's just, um, I won't say he's like a spiritual warrior or anything, but, um, he's been around our church for, uh, for several years and, uh, just pretty much just come on Sunday and, uh, he's been on a, a trip or two with me. Uh, but, He came up to me one Sunday and he said, Hey, Dave, I just want you to know yesterday changed my life. And I was like, wow, that's like a really, uh, (laughs) big discussion starter because I didn't know what he's talking about. And he'd gone down with his son on a week that we weren't, you know, uh, we, we weren't scheduled to be involved at love life, but he went down to the abortion clinic with love life. And that was the first time he'd been down there. And, uh, and just tears in his eyes. Like it just like I can't. I, I just can't believe I haven't. I haven't woken up to what the reality is. And so those are the things that are that are happening down at the clinic. Um, uh, there's a lot more. You know, when you talk about fatherlessness at the clinic, you know, when fathers are involved, like it, fathers, when fathers are involved, most of those women. Choose life, and so, like that's a uh, a reality that we just can't avoid. And um, if there's a if there's a father that says yes, I'm I'm willing to like have this child, then then the majority of time those women say yes. And so uh, w- when you take that and you say okay, for those women that are going in without a male, uh, without a father. Like how can we be that? And um, it's impossible to replace that. But being a father to the fatherless is exactly what replacement looks like. It's exactly the command. And so, you know, how can we get them to a free ultrasound that's right there? How can we support them when they say yes? And I mean, we've got mentors that um, help women um, who say yes, and our church is thrown baby shower after baby shower and diaper shower after diaper shower, um, for anyone who has said yes. And, and Hey, I need some support. Uh, you know, and so those are just a, a lot of things that go on when you go down to a clinic and you wake up to, uh, the battle, um,
1: you know, doesn't have to be fought face to face, uh, but it does need to be fought. So you've talked about how you stood in front of the clinic with Love Life and you had to repent, um, but now your church is involved. Could you speak to how your participation in fighting abortion, you getting involved in standing out in front of those the, the clinic and, and repenting from previous inaction? Could you speak to how that has impacted the way that your church now responds to abortion?
0: Yeah, I I mean, leaders leaders are important and it's not about leadership with a voice and it's not a leadership with a, with a finger that's pointing and saying, Hey, go that way. Um, like it's incumbent on leader. Like we have an American leadership model that is just about a voice and it's not about action. It's, it's about, uh, you know, leadership and fame and popularity and, you know, attention and social media and all that goes, and when you, you know, pull back the curtain on that, that, that's all a lot of people are doing is just speaking. <clears throat> and so when, when we lead um, in our setting, we, we just lead with action. We just, we don't, don't ask anybody to do anything. We're not willing to do ourselves or aren't currently doing ourselves. And when it comes to this topic, like, um, you know, being father to the fatherless it 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 only means action like you can't father somebody without action and so being a father to the fatherless even that term even that verse we take it and we 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 we, we rip it apart from action and we just talk about a title oh well you're a father figure to me or well you're a You know, uh, and and a pet name for dad, you know, pops or whatever else, you know, that that you want to title it. But when you say being a father, it's action. And so for us on this, when I moved on this, obviously, like, and invite people to come with me. That's what we do. And it's just like, come and see. Like, can you pray? Yes, I can pray. Okay, let's do a prayer walk. It's prayer and worship. Um, and then, you know, after you do it a few times and, and maybe they don't respond, you say, Hey, what's keeping you? Like, what what are you afraid of? What are you afraid is going to happen down there? And you wrestle kind of at that level. And then you say, like, Hey, what, tell me what, like, what's the worst thing that you can imagine happening if you, you know, if you showed up, um, but it, it has to be that action. And if you're not active and there's a million ways to get active, <clears throat> but, it does kind of start somewhere and for us and and leading our churches started with that prayer walk because now people that maybe, okay, I I, I showed up, but now I didn't realize that they have mentors and I'm not really like being down on the sidewalk while that's, you know, impactful and understanding. I'm more like one-on-one and like, we have a group of mentors that they're, you know, in line ready for the next woman who says, yes, I want to keep my baby. Great. Why don't you like, we have somebody that'll meet with you, you know, every week for however long you want to, you know, one year, two years, three years, like like they'll walk with you. And, and it's chaotic walk. And, and, you know, we've found somebody that says, oh, now that's me. And then, you know, you got, hey, we can throw parties and showers and, and organize some things to, to get things done. And uh, so then it just starts to build from there. Like it, it takes on a whole new life of its own. Um, but it comes back to just action and doing it and starting somewhere. And you don't have to do everything, but you do have to do something. Um, you know, for us, that, that boils way over into a lot more discussions about action when it comes to foster care, when it comes to uh, the orphan crisis because these two, these are not separate issues. These are all, this is this is a fatherless world and God is calling us to, to be his imitator in being a father to the fatherless. And when you put that lens on, like, you better get busy because there's just, there's so much fatherlessness. Um, and uh, so that's, I don't know. That's, that's just a, uh, we got to do it. we got to
1: be the people that are, that are doing it first. Yeah, that's right. And as we wrap up, I was going to ask you about perhaps a call to action that you had for pastors and, and church leaders in specific, but also, um, other Christians as well. Now you've, in, you, you've spoken a lot about why we ought to get involved. So maybe is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of, um, encouragement or, or, or providing motivation, um for those who perhaps are on the fence pastors who are like um you know is this being a social justice warrior type you know if i get involved in abortion um so could you sort of speak to that as we wrap this up What we'll call to action for for other christians and christian leaders to get involved
0: yeah i i i'm i'm probably pretty harsh on christian leaders um you guys frustrate me to death with your lack of action um you know there's a stat out there that that, that you know, there would be no kids in foster care if just one church, one family in every church would adopt a child, okay? And pastors actually speak that, but the pastors who are speaking it don't realize that we don't even need a family in every church to adopt a child. If every pastor would adopt a child out of foster care, there would be no kids in foster care. Like, and that's the problem. (laughs) Like, you know, we gotta be those people. If you're a Christian leader And you're ignoring this problem and ignoring the implications of it. Like, your credibility is shot when any other justice issue comes up. Are we involved with service to the poor? Absolutely, we're involved with service to the poor. Poverty is not killing what abortion is killing. It's just not. And, I mean, like, we are in some extreme poverty situations that we serve in regularly. Are we involved in housing crisis? Sure. Like we're, we're involved there. We're involved in all kinds of stuff, but it starts with this. And if you don't start with a passion for a million plus in, in our country, uh, at least every year, then then I don't know where else you start. You're, you're not starting at a place of authenticity because your credibility is shot if you're going to be a social justice uh, person for any other topic and you exclude this topic. And this is why this topic is so important because when it comes down to the politics, a lot of the, a lot of quote, Christian leaders in, uh, in our country are just, they're just wrapped up with the liberal agenda. And unfortunately it's tied to a democratic party. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really love the few, uh, pro-life Democrats that that are still existing in our country. They're a rare, rare breed. And most of them are just in Louisiana now. Um, but, you know, the reality is a lot of Christian leaders, quote Christian leaders, they they just don't believe the politics of it. And so they buy into a, a party that is about destruction and they play that out. And, uh, you know, my African-American pastor friends, um, man, I hate, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, you got to divorce yourself from, you know, your political agenda and, uh, you know, Reverend Jesse's and Reverend Al's and quit being Uncle Al's and Uncle Jesse's, you know, and stand up uh, for the black kids that are being executed and targeted for destruction. And your church is actually participating in that. Like, it's It's disgusting. And so I don't know that's, that's a tough call to action. I look the, the general people in the church listen you are the force. Okay? Cuz there's only so much that a leader can do unless people are like with him. Um, and so don't underestimate the power of just uh, of just starting. And man if, if you are passionate and you're doing something, like whether that's a prayer walk at an abortion clinic or whether that's mentoring or whether that's you know caring in any way and, and, and speaking on this issue with different people, like if you'll just advocate with your pastor, uh, like be that persistent widow. Be the, be the person that drives your pastor crazy until he says, okay, enough. I don't, I don't want to do anything about this. I'm not, I never do anything, but I want you to shut up. So what does it take to shut you up? Okay. Be that person, drive your pastor crazy. Cause I'm telling you, like, like when people come to me and they're persistent, it, it's not always, I'm not that slow, but sometimes I do want to know how, you know, is this somebody that just wants me to do something about something they care about or at you know and when they come to me two or three times and i see some action attached to that i'm like okay i'm going to dive in with i'm going to dive in with you because i know you're not putting that in my court just for me to do something about it i know that you're asking for my help and when i like come under you and support what you're already doing then man you can go further and then actually you can just lead it and i don't have to lead it and so the people you, you people in churches um, don't let your pastor get away without uh, speaking on this issue. Like, be persistent and um, and speak up. Be that voice for the voiceless, because uh, that's what it has to happen.
1: That's a bold uh, encouragement, as it were, but I think necessarily appropriate uh, for the injustice that we are facing and the, the real <laughs> destruction of of image bearers uh, of God in the womb. But Pastor Henderson, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on Humans of the Pro Life Movement.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been uh, been a pleasure. Good to meet you.
1: Yeah, likewise. That was Pastor Henderson from Charlotte, North Carolina, a pastor who is involved in the fight against abortion. We often, I think, expect our politicians to fight our battles for us uh, or perhaps some other organization, but God doesn't call others to love our neighbors um, for us. He calls us to love our neighbors. And our neighbors our pre-born children in our communities uh, who need a voice. They are voiceless. Uh, and they need someone to speak up for them. And so we want to encourage you to get involved. Uh, Pastor David is involved with Love Life America. You can find more about them, lovelife.org. They're not just in Charlotte, uh, but they are working with churches across the nation of America to get people in front of the clinics, to get churches in, in front of the clinics, to be witnesses uh, there in that, as, as Pastor David mentioned, the gates of hell. If you're in Canada, you can get involved with the organization I work for, the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. Just check out our website and thekilling.ca and, and there's a, a bunch of options under the Take Action tab. Uh, if you reach out to us, we'll get you connected in communities across the country. If you're elsewhere, we want you to get involved as well. I mean, this injustice is not just uh, limited to North America, um, but but there are abortions taking place all over the world. This injustice is happening all over the world. So do get involved wherever you are. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are grateful for this. If you want to learn more about the podcast, you can check us out, prolifeguys.com. We have our full archive of episodes there as well, or do subscribe on YouTube, the Pro Life Guys podcast, or your favorite podcast catcher, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or music. Again, thank you so much. We hope you tune in again next time. God bless you all.